Hey, everybody. It is the Loftus Party. Another week, another show. So much to tell you about. I'm Michael Loftus. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, joining me from a new location, from a new location, is uh, the Liberty Gypsy. How's it going over there? I won't, I won't ask you to say where you are. Okay, I can't say where I am, but uh, it's not far from when I, where I normally am. It's not like I moved again or anything. Right. Sometimes, sometimes when the when the local villagers you think they're going to find your campground, you have to move away a little bit just to throw them off the trail in case they're looking for some of that fortune telling money back. There you go. Yes. So a lot of excitement, a lot of excitement, big week last week, a lot going on. We're going to talk about all of it. I don't even know where to start. There's uh, uh, there's the, the, the Trump rally was yesterday. The Trump press conference happened. Uh, SpaceX is flying. You start. You pick the topic. It's dealer's choice. I will go wherever you want. Well, let's talk about your little jaunt on Red Eye. That was pretty big news. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. I yeah, noticed, yeah, I noticed we remain 100% aligned on our robot overlords. That was too funny. That was too funny. They give you the uh, they give you the topics. I'm gonna here's a little sneak peek. I'm gonna peek behind the curtain of Red Eye, ladies and gentlemen. What they do is they uh, they tape two shows on Thursday so that Friday everybody can have the day off. It's great uh, for for the host and and the crew and everything. So, uh, yeah, one of my topics was Elon Musk talking about uh, a universal basic income and how robots will be doing all that. So I got to get out some of my robot overlords. Uh, and it's crazy. I think Elon Musk and I would get along very, very well. Very, very well. Well, once again, you're just all ready to sign up for his Mars trip. I am. I am. <laughs> uh, so getting, He won't getting... get in a self-driving drone, but no. you will go oh, to Mars. No, what was the battery life on that drone that we were talking about? Like An thirty hour? minutes? Uh, yeah, it was something like that. No, I think it was like may I think it was thirty minutes. Thirty minute battery life. So <laughs> by minute twenty eight, you're losing altitude rapidly. Like, yeah, that's that's crazy. I don't think anybody's gonna take a ride in those drones. Yeah. I would do the drone if I could fly it. That's the thing. If I was if I was in control of the drone, I would get in one right now, right now. Yeah, like well, I'm all about I'm all about flying machines, but when my robot overlords are, are the pilot, f that, f that, Liberty Gypsy. <laughs> it didn't seem like anybody on the panel was going to race over to Dubai and jump into one of those puppies. Nope. Yeah, like who trusts the computer? Like how many times? And that was the joke that I had that I thought would you know that I thought would go really well. It didn't do that well, but like you're in the drone, you're having a cup of coffee, you're watching TV, you know. Uh, all of a sudden, the headline is, wow, computers hack into the drone system, and like, they all start crashing. Exactly. I will fly in anything. I'll have you know, many, many years ago in Columbus, Ohio, I did a stand-up show for this group of uh, aviation enthusiasts, and these guys had taken lawn chairs, put them on aluminum, they used the aluminum frame from the lawn chair, attached them to, uh, like, wheelchair engines that were all on, on like, wheels, and there was a propeller in the back, and then the whole thing was attached to a parachute overhead. So you had a little throttle. You got the you got the lawnmower engine going up to like 25 miles an hour. The propeller would go, and once you your once your land speed was about like 20 25 miles an hour, that parachute would open up, and you would become airborne, right? Mm -hmm. And then you would steer the thing left or steer the thing right by pulling on on the parachute, you know, one side or the other. So I did a show for these guys. They took me up for a ride. This one guy did. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. We landed, 
And he's uh, and I'm like, how do I get a license for one of these? He goes, that's just it. You don't need one. All you need is a driver's license. I'm like, are you kidding me? He goes, no, you can fly one right now. And I'm like, I'm in. So I took one of these things up. Absolutely like zero, <laughs> zero training. We're drinking beers. We're out in a cornfield, which is like like the most like like redneck dumbass thing to do. A bunch of guys getting drunk and flying lawnmower engines around. So uh, uh, my wife, my, my girlfriend at the time, uh, her dad worked for the FAA. So she calls him up and she's like, hey, Michael's thinking about joining this club. They fly around these parachute machines. He goes, do not ever do that. <laughs> It's the most dangerous thing. He's like, all it takes is the wind to blow one wrong way. You hit a pocket of bad air, and that parachute deflates, and then you're just like Wiley e. Coyote riding an engine to the earth. So I'm all. I love the idea of a drone. I just want to fly it. I just want to fly it. Yeah, no, I I like to be tethered to the ground in some manner. Like I would never skydive. Never. Mm-mm. Really? Nope. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Um, I've done parasailing where you actually are tethered to the boat. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of fun. That that was a good that was a good time. Um, I scuba dive, so I'll go 110 feet underwater, uh, and that doesn't bother me. But yeah, no, I'm not a big fan of the airplanes in general, and um, really could not see me getting in a drone taxi for any reason. <laughs> wow, I yeah. used to do um, quite a bit of bungee jumping. Uh. Yeah, I I used to bungee jump. Uh, It's a long story. Uh, A girl I know who's now, she's a stunt woman. She's really well accomplished uh, all over. You've seen her in a ton of movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, She used to to work for this uh, bungee jumping place in Florida. And she says they are incredibly safe. They check the bungees every day. They do this. They do that. There's backup systems. Uh, they're hardcore about safety. So when I would be doing stand-up shows in in her neck of the woods in Florida, on my way home from the show, I would drive by the little bungee jumping place. And if there was no one actively jumping, I would park and just act like I was a regular guy going, ooh, I'll I'll try this. I was a shill, right? Mm -hmm. And then I would walk up and I would pretend to pay money and then they'd give me, you know, I'd give them some money then they'd give me my quote-unquote change, which was my money back. But that would like get people started. Like, ooh, here comes an ordinary guy that wants to bungee jump. People, it would get, it would get the ball rolling. So this place was incredibly safe. Uh, You could bungee jump with it attached to your uh, arms. You could bungee jump attached to your waist, attached to your feet. It was just so much fun and so exhilarating. The scary part of of bungee jumping, in my opinion, is when you you reach the bottom of of the thing and then you start going back up. I don't know why. That's like the real weightlessness part of it. Oh, yeah, that would seem right. Yes, we're concerning. So it's the most safest bungee jumping place ever, ever, ever in the history of ever. And, and, and you help them generate business. No, probably like never went bungee jumping for some reason. That whole like free fall thing just so gets me. hold up, hold up. A couple months after this, oh. I'm on the road and I see this story on the news. I'm in Michigan and they're like local firefighter is hurt in bungee jumping accident. I watched the news and it's the place where I used to do it. Oh, my God. And, yeah. And all the safety, preca- the guy, the cord just snapped. It just snapped. It just happens every once in a while. There's like nothing you can do. It can be the safest thing ever. And 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 luckily, you know, they had a big one of those big like air, you know, pillows below it. Right. And the guy like he broke his leg. But it's like, holy crap, I guess I'll never do that again either. Because like they just spontaneously break. Yeah. No, I, I never did the bungee jump. Um, Don't think I ever would. I did that thing at Six Flags where they pull you back on the bungee like thing. 
and then that's let you fun go. the big swing yeah, yeah. The big swing i've done that and then when i was in honduras i went zip lining that was yeah. not that was not safe <laughs> Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah, they basically gave us garden gloves and a plastic dish to put on our head. Okay. Yeah, but we did it. It was great. That's up to OSHA standards for the Hondurans. We were just like, we were cracking up. Like, wow, why did you even give us this? I mean, you know, if we fall fall from this line down there, this plastic dish is not going to do a thing. Oh, right. Well, thank God she was wearing the plastic dish. Yeah, right. Uh, It saved your life. Saved your life. (laughs) I, w- I did this thing in uh, – there's a town in South Africa called Durban, uh, and, and my friend uh, Steve Byrne and I uh, – he and I are down in, in South Africa doing stand-up, and uh, they have this thing in this soccer stadium in Durban where you can just – you literally just jump off the top of the stadium, and you go swinging out on this uh, rope thing, and uh sounded like a great idea. So we did that. And however, at the bottom of your swing, they just don't let you off onto the field of play. They haul you back up to the top of the stadium. And I'm like, this seems like wasted effort. And like you're looking at the rope and then all of a sudden you realize, wow, I mean, not to knock South Africa, but like I've never heard anything about their space program or their (laughs) their technology. So as you're being like, you're like, oh, I'm alive, I'm alive after you do your swing. And then they start hauling you back up and you're like, whoa, 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 why are we doing this? And then you start looking at the rope and you're like, man, I wonder when the last time they tested this sucker out. And then you have flashbacks to local firefighter hurting the safest (laughs) bungee jumping place. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. I love how you ta- call. I love how you call me Liberty Gypsy. I've never been to South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've been so many more places than I am, but I'm. Well, a gypsy. because gypsies are t- are afraid to travel by boat. <laughs> oh my god! You stick. Oddly the, enough, you stick I hate a cruise. What's that say? Oh, don't even get me started on cruises. I hate I, I, cruises. I, it seems oh, like god. the dumbest idea in the history of ever. Now, like, if it was a live-aboard cruise for scuba diving, that's totally different. You actually go out on a boat and go to reefs you can't get to in the course of a day. That would be all right. But, like, these big cruise ships where you're supposed to bring nice clothes and eat dinner with people you don't know and the only things you can do is gamble or Seriously. No. Seriously. No. Go get them. dressed up. Go get dressed up. Eat with strangers. Mm-hmm. Eat, eat, eat. Eat, eat. Gamble. Drink, gamble. Fall down. Eat with strangers. Uh, and then, welcome to Acapulco. You have an hour and twenty minutes, and if you're not back, you miss the boat. Exactly. <laughs> that just—that sounds like the biggest crock of bullshit ever. Well, who would yeah. want to do that? We have strayed very far from our our red eye topic. Yes, but I, I love it. I love I I love it. I would seriously. I would do a whole podcast about how I just I hate the idea of cruises. <laughs> I just hate the idea of it. You did half a podcast on how much you hate sushi. Right? I'll do that. I said, I swear to God, you have to know cruises are full of sushi. You have to think that there's just sushi, sushi everywhere on a cruise. Oh, well, it's easy to okay. get. So anyway, uh, Red Eye was very fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I had never done it before, you know, and it's pretty cool. You know, you're down there with the Tom Shalhoub, very nice guy. Everybody on the panel was great. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of new folks on Twitter. And that's what it's all about. And um, I think I'll I think I'll be invited back, which is a great thing. What's the name of the guy that wanted to or has the GoFundMe up so he can get a, a membership to Mar-a-Lago? I want to say John DeVore. That would be it. Yes, that cracked yeah. me up. Sorry. He had he had he and I. Well, he had the idea. Um, 
I go, but at the end of the show, I'm going to become a liberal. I'm going to go, you've convinced me, John DeVore. You've convinced me. I'm changing every decision I've ever made. And we just never got around to doing it. So, yeah, he's a very nice guy. Uh, and it's very funny because, you know what, it, it is weird in a sense because it's not just pure comedy. There's a little bit of, like, political punditry to it. And right. I think I think I didn't do maybe enough of that. I just wanted to do, like, pure jokes. But uh, you could definitely see some of the folks, quote unquote, turning it on for the camera. The little, I'm outraged. And like, wow, if that's what rank amateurs do, what do the professional outrage people do? What do the professionals do? They're just much better at it. They're just much better at it. So it really goes to, like, are they trying to solve a problem or are they just, you know, trying to become the most popular political pundit? And once once you're a pundit looking for popularity, you you are no longer relevant. You're no longer relevant in my mind. I would say that's probably true. I mean, yeah. people are reading your commentary because it's interesting and engaging or watching you because your commentary is spot on. That's that's completely different than somebody out there trying to create, I guess, a persona to drive that. Yeah, which is what I love about uh, Charles Krauthammer. Mm-hmm. I really like that. That guy – um, James to like, well, he said, he said this this morning on, on Fox news, like he just calls him like he sees him. Like he has disagree. He, he was not a Trump fan. He was not a Trump supporter. Very, very much anti-Trump. Now Trump is the president. So, okay, let's do this. And he's, and he says he's calling them as he sees them. And, uh, you know, this whole thing with, uh, with, uh, General Flynn and the Russian conversations, he's like, it's conspiracy without a crime. And now, now Trump is quoting Krauthammer and holding him up as this, you know, paragon of virtue. And Krauthammer's like, wait, that's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm literally doing these on a case by case basis, which is exactly how it's supposed to work. And he is super nice in person. I bet he is. I bet he is. Uh, when did you meet him? Were you telling us fortune at one point? Is this when you were uh, living outside of Baltimore? <laughs> uh, no, I met him at the Republican National Convention this summer. Mm. Mm-hmm. What were you guys doing? Um, we were actually standing outside the convention hall. He was having a chat with some of his colleagues. You know he's a quadriplegic, correct? I knew something was going on. Yeah, no, he's, actually, he's actually a quadriplegic. Um, what happened? He has very limited use of his upper extremities. I'm honestly not sure. Okay. It was an accident when he was a, a young adult, from what I understand. Oh, wow. Yeah, but um, amazing person and just super nice when you walk up. Hello, Mr. Krauthammer, you know, nice to meet you. Da, da, da. Just very engaging and, and very personable. Well, he seems like a smart guy. And maybe very he's smart. like that, uh, who's that, St- that Stephen Hawking's guy mm-hmm. who can't move, just has a lot of time to think about stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right? <laughs> that's what Stephen I mean, that's... Hawking's doing. <laughs> In a way, because he is, wouldn't be right? smart otherwise. Well, I think I think there's like a certain level of smart, but like you're less prone to distractions. There you <laughs> go. This is it. Sounds horrible. I apologize. It, it it is horrible. However, like it's true though, right? Yeah. If you can't move, you you're literally just sitting there thinking about stuff. And you go, well, what if this and what if that and how about this and how about that? I can't imagine. The, I'm definitely not making fun of it at all. I, I don't want because that's, I believe, like in karma in, in that sense. And I cannot imagine the fr- Can you imagine the frustration that Stephen Hawking's uh, must go through? You have solutions and you have these mathematical formulas that you desperately 
it would be so much easier if you could just get up and go to the chalkboard or, you know, and you just have to sit there and, like, type with your mouth. Good Lord. Good Lord. Okay, so uh, I definitely want to talk about the Trump rally, but first we got to talk about that press conference. The press conference, J- Stacey. <laughs> you just How awesome was that? Stuff. I do. I do. I, I gobble it up. I gobble it up. And there's a couple of just huge moments that I can't wait to discuss. Okay. So I want I want your takeaway. Um, my takeaway is that that press conference accomplished every bit of everything that he wanted it to accomplish. It put the press right back on its heels. Um, and they really didn't know how to react at all. I mean, one of the most entertaining things that I'm seeing right now, and I, yeah. maybe I'm easily entertained, is that the people who write the news and make commentary on news shows actually think they and their hurt feelings are the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're going to cancel the White House Correspondence Dinner in protest. It's like, really? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I tell you. cracking me up. Yeah, it's it's really – here's the thing, and, and this is not to uh, disparage our president. I think people are giving him a lot of credit for being smarter than he actually is. I agree. I think he's a very, very basic dude. I think he's a very, very like – he's like a – and of course, here I am doing the thing that I hate, but it's just not that complicated. Oh, here's what he's doing. He's trying to make the press the story to do to, 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 to distract from this to kazak that dick that. And I really think uh it was just like a, a machismo thing. You want me to take questions? I'll take questions. I'll stand here all day. I think he digs it. Oh, I think he digs he it just, too. He's he like I'll, to I'll go I'll go I'll go I'll go toe to toe with you anytime. Like I I got nothing to fear. And for them, uh, and for them to give all these like secret, covert. He's smart because, like a fox, he's trying to do this to distract from that, which is really hiding that. Like Bill Maher the other night, uh, with, with the whole distractions and this, and outfox the slut. Oh my gosh! Sometimes you get value. What I found hilarious about it, and this is why I have why I must learn how to edit. When Trump is up there giving the press conference he's like and i know what you guys are going to write later i know what you're going to say later he's gone crazy he's got which would have been the perfect time for him to do uh his little character with the wacky arms that would have been perfect yeah if he would have done the the wacky armed guy he's like i know what you're going to write tomorrow he's gone crazy he's ranting he's raving and i'm not ranting and raving i'm having a good time that's like very close to very close to what he actually said and then you just smash cut to jake tapper Going, he's unhinged. He's unhinged. What's become like literally doing the thing, <laughs> like literally doing the thing that Trump said you were going to do. That guy's a joke, man. That Jake Tapper guy. Good Lord. Oddly, he's one I had a certain amount of respect for. Really? Yeah, like up through most of the election and stuff. And when you saw how WikiLeaks put out very, very, very altered communications with him and he just published the whole thing and he was actually giving the DNC and members of the Democratic Party, oh, we're just supposed to do this because of that? What are you, nuts? I mean, he was actually one of the ones that that pushed back and asked good questions and and stuff like that. I mean, he's one of the only ones that was um, back in the day that was looking into Fast and Furious and the MSM, him and Cheryl Cheryl Atkinson. Well, I have no recollection of Jake Tapper ever looking into Fast and Furious. Mm -hmm. However, I thought that was extremely comical. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. He's unhinged. He's unhinged. 
And and I tell you what, our president, Donald Trump, is exactly right. When he was like saying, look at CNN, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, every show is just loaded up with haters. It's just loaded up with haters. And so you create a narrative. And then this just killed me. It made me like Joe Scarborough. Uh, sometimes I got, I got a, not a love hate relationship, but like sometimes some days I like Joe more than others. But Joe Scarborough uh, had this tweet today, j- just ridiculous. He goes, "Only a fake president would declare the First Amendment to be the enemy of the American people. Only a fake president would declare the First Amendment." Like Joe, you douche. That's not even close to what he said. Well, not I, even close. I just want to say this. I have an overwhelming urge to block anyone on social media and turn off any commentator ever that says or, you know, just stop reading any story that uses the word fake at all. I'm so sick of that word. So sick of it. Yeah, you're done with fake. I'm done with snowflake. I'm done with Snowflake, but I mean, this whole, this is fake news. Okay, if we can't get to the place where we can understand as a society that you may have one perspective on something and I may have another, whether you're the president of the United States or the dude that got up at the Trump rally last night. Okay. If if you can't, oh, yeah. if you can't if you can't get to the point where you're like okay you're coming at that situation from a different perspective than I am I can respect that without going that's fake news I'm so sick of that so sick of that phrase Ugh. well well here's the thing and 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 I cannot believe that journalists are are this stupid I I can't believe that like Joe Scarborough is that stupid and like Jake Tapper is that stupid and that Wolf Blitzer and and you know and all these people on in the mainstream media it's like it is not that hard to report the facts this happened that happened this guy resigned there's an investigation what I have a problem with is all these insane like with Wolf Blitzer the other night asking these crazy leading questions. Well, could this mean that this possibly happened? Yeah, that could mean that that might have happened. Well, if that might have happened, could this be the thing that like – and it's just it just goes on to all of a sudden there's Martians shitting nuclear bombs on you know downtown Phoenix. Like what the hell are you talking about? And, and, and for like Dan Rather, Dan Rather, like this is bigger than Watergate. Are you high? And he's old enough to remember Watergate. Right. Um, Yeah, that whole comparison was a little bit much. It was a little bit much. But here's what I just found out, and I think it's it's Jay Rosen uh, uh, from Fox News Mm -hmm. who – I think he has a book. I could be wrong, but there's a new book out about Watergate where – see, I didn't know this. I didn't know that Henry Kissinger – had a had a personal aide. This kid was like an ensign or something. He was either in the Navy or in the Marines, something. Mm-hmm. And this kid, when when Kissinger wasn't around, this kid was going through Kissinger's uh, briefcase and taking documents and uh, making copies of them and getting these plans and memos to a general in the Pentagon during Watergate. You're kidding me. I, 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 I'm not I'm not kidding you at all. And they found out this is where all this stuff uh, started. And then Nixon finds out that they finally found out who this kid was and what he was doing. And they were all like, holy crap, there's, you know, so they're like, we should uh, we should press charges against this guy. We got to make an example uh, of him. And then one of those Watergate dudes was like, don't even do it now. It's too late. It's water under the bridge. 
because that's what, you know, I guess that's what the, uh, I'm just, I'm like screaming how ignorant I am now of Watergate, but like, that's what those, uh, the plumbers, one of the things that those Nixon guys were trying to do was like figure out where these leaks were coming from and what strategy was and blah, blah, blah. But they found out this, it was this fricking ensign who worked for, uh, Henry Kissinger and no one ever talks about that. And I mean, that's the thing too, when you stop and think about it whistleblower protections weren't around then so you're kind of surprised that he didn't get charged or something didn't happen unless the baby was just way too yeah yeah unless it was was already over but um you know there was actually a great article that i picked up today and i'm not even sure it's recent it might be a couple weeks old talking about how the obama administration actually changed a lot of that and the obama administration well, they changed a lot of the whistleblower protection in terms of um, really aggressively pursuing leaks as well as aggressively pursuing reporters. And when I didn't know that there's actually a case out there, I think it's the Fourth Circuit in Maryland and around D.C. Yeah. that has ruled that a reporter has no right to protect their sources, which wow. when you stop and think about it is a dramatic change from what happened you know, through most of my life. I didn't realize that that court decision was even out there until I read this article article. But you now have, and I mean, basically what the author was saying is if you don't like what Trump does with the media, blame Obama because he opened the door to it. Well, hasn't that always been a thing? Like you'd always see that in like, uh, you know, made for TV movies or lawyer TV shows where some lawyer has an anonymous source and the judge says, you've got to name your source or you're going to jail. And then the, the reporter always goes to jail, right? And then there's some kind of – don't you remember that? Like I think that happened in a, in a Mary Tyler Moore episode. It happens like in, in L.A. law. It happened all the time. I mean it happened all the time in, in fictional areas. But, I mean, most of the time it was not necessarily considered something that was a true risk for a reporter. The first one that happened was um, Judith Miller with the New York Times during the uh, Scooter Libby. And the outing, what was her name? Valerie Plume, I Valerie think. Jarrett. Valerie, Valerie Blue Blue Blah. No, Valerie, Valerie Plume. She was, a, she was an asset that was somehow unmasked by a confidential source. Oh, and, yeah, and then they made a movie about it? Well, yeah, except Judith Miller <laughs> actually ended up spending several months in jail. The New York Times abandoned her. She wrote a great book about it. The, uh, it's called The Story, and it ended up being why she left the New York Times. Ooh. Yeah, really good book. I had the pleasure of interviewing her once. She is an awesome lady. Well, I tell you what, uh, no one believes the press anymore. And I think that is healthy and good for democracy right now. And until they can start reporting the facts without so much opinion, uh, don't believe them. Actions, my dad used to say this all the time. It used to drive me crazy. However, it's very, very true. Actions speak louder than words. Just report the facts, and you'll be amazed at how much credibility you get back. There's just too but much when you, news on. <clears throat> well, and, and it's all opinion. It's all opinion. Yeah. And when you look at, like, the mainstream media uh, tried to lead us down this path to Hillary. They had they had an agenda. When you, the, the, they're all liberals, and when you have like your your bullpen of all the reporters, and this is what I this is what I would hope um, every like little news organization would do uh, have like a little uh, blind poll, right? You, you write down your political affiliation on a piece of paper, you put it into a hat, and it should be uh, you know Republican, Democrat, Independent, liberal. You should have like a, a good mix. Right. That's the, that's your that's your only hope. But if you reach into that hat and everyone comes up, Democrat, 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 you've got a problem. You've got a problem because there's no way to keep that bias out. 
There's well, no I, way. I think Fox has the same problem. If everyone you pull out is Republican, 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 conservative, conservative, you've got and the same problem. And if you think if you think that that's how Fox is, uh, you're off your nut. Really? Oh, They're major commentators. They're, well, now you've changed it. Now you're going major commentators. I'm saying the people that are I'm actually on air. Uh, there, there are. I think there are a lot, a lot more, a lot more Democrats there than you think. Now I'm a member of the Fox family now. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm on Red Eye, and I'm going to be going to the Christmas party, so I can't oh, really discuss awesome. this further. Uh, I've heard they have however, a great buffet. Really? I'm just kidding. I've heard nothing oh, about okay. their Christmas I was party. Because, <laughs> like, as I said, I'm like, I wonder if I will. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Nothing's better than a good buffet, right? And then, like, this dumb – and I'm going to use the word – no, I'm not going to drop a C-bomb. I, 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 I made the mistake of watching that freaking Media Matters show again with Howie Kurtz. Stop doing and, that. I love doing it. I'm doing it on purpose now. I know, uh, just like you watch Joy Reid. I'm like, stop. That one, I that one, I couldn't. I knew she would be really gone today. Mm-hmm. I knew she would be like over the edge. She would have been just off it. So uh, I only watched uh, Media Buzz with Howie Kurtz and these these journalists. These these. Oh my gosh! He always and it's always women. He has these like, and you know, then you start wondering like, what's really going on behind the scenes? Like, I work in television. And we do casting and we, you know, there's a lot of different variables that go on when you're figuring out who's going to be on your television show. Right. And with, and with someone over at Media Buzz, like, has a thing for a handful of girls. And it's always girls. And I'm like, why is this? Like, he can't find a dude reporter on there. It's, it's, it's a very odd dynamic the more you look at it. And he always has this one girl on who is just so wrapped up in this, I just got out of journalism school and we're the last bastion of free speech. And if you attack and you're like, you, you, you really want to grab her uh, by the lapel and shake some sense into her. It's like usually well, we haven't had a, a chance to really reflect on how we got the election so wrong because Donald Trump won't allow us the time to reflect. Really? Really? <laughs> you screwed the pooch hot and hard for a year and a half. For a year and a half, you were just wrong as wrong can be and were just straight out fake and false and wrong. And now it's Trump's fault that he won't give you time to reflect. And you're the last bastion. Never on the show again. Never on the show again. Well, we're trying. You don't to get, want me. To... We're trying to get the people who got it right for next week. Uh, well, now now you're you're segueing into CPAC news. So oh yeah, let's I'm do just that. saying we're trying to get the, trying to get Joel Pollock from Breitbart and Selena Zito and some of the people who actually took a hard look around and got it right. Joe Pollock. Mm-hmm. Never heard of Joe. He is an editor with Breitbart News, or an editor or writer, and he was part of the uh, group of deplorables, as they called themselves, who yeah. were doing a lot of other polling and social media type of analysis and calling Trump the winner from the time that the general election started. And they actually wrote a book called How Trump Won, and hopefully we will get a chance to chat with them about that. You know what I want to ask them? Hmm. What was up with all those polls? Yeah, I mean— Like, I, I swear to God— you were looking at, and you can go back and, and look at the, the the ABC News and the NBC and the CBS. Like Hillary Clinton, like ninety seven percent chance she's the president. Yep, like that she came like, out of five thirty eight. Yes, it did. That is like terrifying. The more you think about that, like here is like what was up with that? Where were they getting these numbers? How can you quote those numbers? And should we ever quote those numbers again? Should we ever 
ever go back to here's a poll and here's the results of the poll well, if they're that wrong. I think I think there's a couple of different dynamics, and so I'm going to hat tip to to Michael Loftus um, because you said many times during the general election there are people who are going to vote for Trump who are not talking to these pollsters who do not want to identify themselves as Trump voters, et cetera, et cetera. They're either lying in the poll or they're just not answering. So I think that's part of it. But I also have a, a dear friend over in Israel named Joseph Levine, who during the entire Jewish fellow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. He goes by Rabbi 224 on Twitter. And if you ever want a very interesting person to follow, he is absolutely wonderful. Doesn't um, tweet on Saturdays. Um, sometimes he does. Okay, good for him. Yeah, sometimes he does. He was actually good. <laughs> he was actually good enough to interview with me at one time right before his Passover dinner. So, um, and he's a he's a translator. He works with the government and the military, and he's more well versed in our politics than we certainly are in theirs. Uh, but what he tells for me a about heartbeat, I thought you were going to say he was a tranny. Just no, 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 not at all. When you just casually said he's a tran, everything went slow motion. I'm like, oh my lord, here we go. I'm sorry, but, Joseph. Okay. I never should have brought you up. Um, anyway, what he told us about the Israeli elections that Obama tried to meddle in, there was a lot of faulty polling there too. And he says the Israeli population at this point just messes with the pollsters just for fun. Like there's not an accurate poll in Israel and everyone knows it. You want to hear something funny? Yeah. You know that show who wants to be a millionaire? Uh huh. All right. So one of the things you can do is you can like go, you know, 50, 50 where they eliminate, you know, two of the wrong answers. And you could also ask uh, a friend or you can ask the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in Russia, they had to stop doing the ask the audience portion because the audience was actively giving the person the wrong answer. Like sabotaging them? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Russians are like, if I can't be rich, you can't be oh rich. Oh, my God. That's too yeah, funny. And they were sabotaging. That's hilarious. Yeah. I tell you what. Uh, we got new episodes of the Flipside show coming out. Uh, the Yay. television. This, this, uh, one of the, um, I don't know which one will air first, but I did this when it was so cathartic and it felt so good where I came out and I apologized for being a Trump voter. Why did you apologize? Uh, because I don't want people to hate me. Um, if anybody but that hates was a, you for your vote, they've got bigger issues than. But that was the comedic conceit of it. I'm really uh, sorry. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm real. I, I'm one. I gotta, you know, uh, you, cause I, I got, I got tired of, go, of like shrugging my shoulders and be like, I don't know how this guy got elected. I don't know who'd be stupid enough to vote for that guy, but I'm so tired of that. That's talk about things we're tired of. Like you can't be happy that he won. You can't be, or you are, uh, and that's what the New York Times was writing about today. Are liberals helping, uh, you know, the president? Because I tell you what, if you are not 100% on board with everything the Democratic Party wants you to be, you are a Nazi, you're worse than Hitler, you're Genghis Khan meets Frankenstein with a little bit of Dracula sprinkled in. And uh, there was a New York Times reporter, this guy, uh, oh, I retweeted the story uh, the other day, this guy is a is a uh, gay dude, uh, and he writes for the New York Times, and he came out, uh, or maybe it was an article just in the New York Times, but he came out as a Trump supporter, and boy, oh boy, his just life, his life went to shit. Like, all was his this, friends turned... Was this the same guy that, that um, did the not terrible interview on Milo? 
I have no idea. Okay, because there no was idea. another guy who came out in the New York Post who who was a gay liberal in New York City, and he was assigned to do a profile of Milo. And he tried to do it objectively and fairly and wrote a piece, and it didn't, like, outright slam him to the ground and call Different him a Nazi guy. and do all that. Different yeah. guy. Same result, maybe he though. Sh- maybe he should hook up with this other dude. <laughs> uh, they might get along. But this guy was like, he was shocked. He was shocked. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, I I voted for Trump. And like, boom, the end. No more friends. Hate mail. Hateful messages. Just like, uh, they've really, really vilified, vilified a large segment of the population. And and the more they do it, uh, the more people will come to the right. I, I th- That is... Uh, the secret, but man, oh man, it's bad out there. It's, it's bad out bad. there. Well, I mean, it was to the point where after that happened to the the guy at the New York that wrote for the New York Post, um, whose name escapes me right now, so I apologize. It's very early in the week. Um, but several gay conservatives came out and said, "Let me explain to you why I'm gay and conservative." Because earlier earlier this week, it was asking what was wrong with the 21 percent of the LBGT community that identifies as Republican. There's yeah. nothing wrong with them. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with them at all. Like they had to lose their gay card or something. I tell you what, if I was gay and I saw one video of a gay dude getting thrown off a building in the Middle East, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would I would be the most hardcore, uh, no no s- s- refugees ever. Ever. That's all I would need to see. That's all I would need to see. Oh, I know. I know. It's unbelievable. But what did the New York Times call the liberals now? What did they call Oh, them? my gosh. Uh, liberal. Bol- they, they say it's uh, they say the liberals are guilty of using moral Bolshevism, moral Bolshevism, which is eerily close to what we're calling people now here at the Loftus Party, which is right, Stacy. Yeah, that is correct. I wrote that article two or three weeks ago. Right? I am so Ahead underappreciated. Of the curve. So underappreciated. I swear. Well, I tell you what, more and more, I tell you, and like <laughs> this show, and I will say something about this show, like sometimes a, a little weird, a little loosey-goosey coming out of the gates, right? Mm-hmm. We'll get, we'll go off on a little cruise ship tangent, but that's part of the fun of it. However, you keep listening and you learn stuff, and we are ahead of the curve there, because you did. You were all about the Bolsheviks. And I was like delighted when when I was actually, and I sound so smart now. I was reading an article in the New York Times. <laughs> I'm sorry, the failing, the failing New York Times. Well, speaking of of Trump voters and and things, the other thing the media did yesterday that just right through this morning that showed their absolute disdain for people who appreciate Donald Trump and may have voted for him was yeah. how they treated that guy that got up on stage at the rally. Oh, okay. Did you see that? I, I, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Cause, but why cause does it have to come? I mean, here's here's this guy who's a private citizen, right? And yeah. I bet there's going to be all kinds of speculation. Oh, Trump picked this guy just because he knew we'd go after him because he's a little bit odd. Like, if he really salutes a cardboard cutout of Donald Trump every day, that's a little strange. He did say that in an interview. However... Just because someone is excited to meet someone they respect or someone they voted for that think is just, that they think is going to benefit them somehow or help the situation they currently find themselves in, I don't believe that all of a sudden means the media should be able to obliterate this guy, stalk his his social media pages and everything else. Literally, chance meeting, guy got up on stage, was very excited. It would be no different than, I don't know. If the Rolling Stones brought you up on stage. 
Right. This However, this the, guy's the rock media star. the media has to make it about this guy, and they have to uh, make him into a giant buffoon. And go, oh, here's the here's your typical Trump voter, blah blah blah, and here's why because that rally was awesome. And that rally was a success on every single level. I watched it live, and I tell you what, it, it was it was a uh, earth-shattering kaboom and a fantastic reminder uh, to Democrats and a lot of Republicans, a lot of Republicans. First of all, the rally's awesome. 9,000 people, standing room only, blacks for Trump, standing behind. You had a lot of diversity. Uh, Melania comes out, drop dead gorgeous, starts with the Lord's Prayer. Boom. That's a huge statement right there. Then Trump comes out. He sticks to the cue cards for a little bit, reading his little speech. This happened, that happened, this has happened, okay. Then he goes off book, and then he's the old school like rally Trump, and he's talking about the things he has already accomplished and the things he's about to accomplish. And the crowd went crazy. So that was just a big, big, like, megaphone to, like, the John McCains of the world and everybody else who might be, like, thinking about stabbing this dude in the back. This guy got elected. Mm -hmm. He got elected because people would stand in the heat for hours and hours and hours to be a part of it. Trump didn't start this. That's the other thing the media can't seem to wrap their brains around. Trump didn't sit back and go, oh, I know what I'll do. Trump was right place at the right time. This country was already set to simmer. We were almost at a boil for a really long time, and then Trump comes along and goes, oh, if I'm a tea kettle, some wonderful stuff will happen if I use this energy. And there it is. And if it wasn't Trump, it would be somebody else. And I tell you what, it's amazing. For everything they criticize the guy for, they're like, oh my gosh, he said NATO was obsolete. Well, you know what? He got their attention, and maybe that's how it works. I know this. You know, everybody's talking about Russia's the enemy, Russia's the enemy, got to get Russia, 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 Russia. Uh, Trump miraculously, miraculously, by calling NATO out on their bullshit on, and their inability to pay their fucking bill, guess what? He sent Mad Dog Mattis over there, and those cocksuckers found their wallets. They're all ponying up now. They're like, oh, yeah, that's right. We owe you. It's like it's like when you buy a pizza and everybody starts taking off before you've paid. Mad Dog Mattis is like, hey, you guys, there's a bill over here. Germany found their wallets. All these other NATO con – so now you've got – Russia has to be shitting bricks because there's like, uh-oh, NATO's about to get super strong. NATO's about to be the real deal. So I bet they do have spy ships off our coast, right? They did. Oh, they did. And that was hilarious, too. That was hilarious, too, in the Trump press conference. He's like, what do you want me to do? Like, go blow up the boat? I'm not going to blow up the boat. Are you out of your mind? And you're like, oh, my gosh, Trump threatened to blow It's like, big woo. Big woo. No, oh, they have a spy ship in international waters. <laughs> like, we're supposed to be up at night. Oh, no. Anyway, I thought the Trump rally was great. Uh, th that got you knew there was something wrong with that dude, right? He's just one. He's just not all the way there. But he he loved it. He hugged the president. It was so sweet. It I was know, so but, sweet. But I mean that, and I, I guess to me that's the whole thing. He had this person that he truly admires and idolizes to some degree, and he had the moment of a lifetime in doing that, which is sweet. Yeah. It's sweet. I don't care. I don't care what he thinks. I don't care what his relative level of functioning is. It was a sweet <laughs> moment. Okay. I was so I was so nervous. Like right, like, I'm watching the thing live, and when the the Secret Service finally lets the guy up there, and you and you see him, 
you know, and he's like the short hair and the T-shirt and he's just one of those guys. Right. And he and Trump's like, go ahead and talk. My my butthole just got so teeny tiny and my my uh, my stomach started doing flip flops. You know, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to unleash some like Howard Stern shit. He's going to be like Baba Booey. It's going to be like something like. Uh, that that to me was the dangerous part. Trump should sh- you know don't don't give the guy the microphone. That's too crazy. As a stand, that's like as a stand up comic when you bring a drunk on stage, you never do that. You never know what they're gonna say. Well, but apparently whatever he was gonna say was gonna be okay. I mean, if you looked at the full press line of the thing, that guy got there at like four in the morning to be first in line to get in. Yeah. Okay. So he's a fan. He's a fan. So this is no different than the profile they did of this woman in the New York Times who had serious mental health issues during the election. They try to paint everyone who supports Trump for any reason on this level. And it's just insane because people who supported Trump or who supported Trump over Hillary or who are like looking at things and actually liking some of what he does because the security with refugees and everything else was a bigger concern than just Republican. Yeah. Are going to start well, looking at this meme that the media is putting out and just get angrier and angrier. That's the premise of the New York Times article today. This guy that they interviewed, he's from like North Carolina. He's a filmmaker. He normally uh, votes Democrat, but it was that was precisely the thing. He was worried about the uh, economy. He was worried about uh, you know immigration and r- refugees and everything else. So he's like, you know what? This time he's not my guy. Uh, but I'm going to vote for Trump, and he has just been demonized. And the more his friends attack him on Facebook and Twitter, and he's like, you're you're literally driving me into the arms of Donald Trump. You're literally just driving me into his arms. Well, because you can't be rational about anything. No. Like, you said you respected Charles Krauthammer today because he came out and said, you know, I'm going to take this on a case-by-case basis. He's the president now. I'm going to look at everything he does, and I may agree with him on some things and disagree with him on others. How if, hard is that to do? It's not hard at all, but it's either if you don't hate him or agree with everything he does, one side or the other finds you deficient. It's amazing to me. Yeah. I alternately well, get called a liberal, a Trump humper, a progressive, um, a Nazi. I, I, depending on what I tweet or what I comment on, I get called from either side. It doesn't matter. People who are big-time Trump supporters call me a liberal, call me a progressive, call me a Democrat. People who are big-time liberals call me a Nazi, call me a Trump humper, call me a whatever. You can't well, have a balanced opinion. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's that, that's the wonderfulness of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Some poor girl the other day, uh, she wrote this tweet, and I had to respond to it because it was just uh, this girl. I lost you. Stop for a second. Uh, she was like, uh, "I coming back, coming back. back." All right, you're back. Uh, this girl, she. I'm trying to find the tweet. I'm trying to find it. Son of a gun. But I'll, I'll paraphrase it here. Uh, she said something like, "I dis Trump people. I disagree with your president, but I I don't hate you, and I never will hate you, uh, even though you you all hate me." And I wrote her back. I'm like, "Hey, I disagreed with Obama. There, there's room to disagree, and and I think you're awesome." Right. Mm-hmm. And she instantly wrote back on Twitter on Twitter. I always do that. She wrote back. She's like, thank you so much. Flipside Loftus. You give me hope. And I'm like, wow. Wow. <laughs> it didn't take much. You are like the giver of hope. But I mean, it's it's well, it, it is sometimes it is life or death. But for, for the most part, uh, 
they're not rounding anybody up into camps. They're not, uh, you know, shutting down the transmission from MSNBC. Oh my God. They're they're not rounding up reporters and and shooting them. So you want to know how all... you can can monitor that? Monitor what? Rounding up reporters and shooting them? No. Every day there's an account on Twitter, Gay Patriot, who says day number X. I have still not been put into a gay concentration camp, and Mike Pence has not tried to electrocute me. He's a oh. gay conservative. He cracks me up. Here's something awesome. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine, they wrote an article about how, uh, I guess, Bono was praising uh, Mike Pence recently. Uh, Bono talked about all the great things that Mike Pence has done uh, to help fight AIDS. So, yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Uh, There it is. There it is. There it is. Okay, some other news that we want to get to. Uh, I could literally, I could talk about the Trump rally and cruise ships and all this stuff. Uh, SpaceX, successful launch. Successful. Coming nice. back to Elon Musk. One step closer to Mars. One step closer. Go, Elon, go. Um, oh, uh, guess what? Playboy. Back to the nude photos. Well, you knew that was going to happen. Yes, I did. That's the, the, <laughs> Nobody the read it. it. Nobody read it for the articles. Promise. I tell you what, it's... <laughs> It was a sad, sad moment in my life. Mm-hmm. It really was. It was like the end of an era. The end of an era for me when uh, I was – I had a subscription to Playboy, and uh, I, found, I found myself, like, reading it for the articles. <laughs> you did not. I did because, like, the, it, there was something creepy. I'm not, I'm not 18. I'm not 20. You know? Hell, I'm not even 30. And you start looking at these girls, and you're like, yeah, she's gorgeous. She's absolutely gorgeous. But there's, like, no, ooh, I'm going to get with that. You know? There's no, uh, uh, yeah. It just was like, yeah, she's incredibly beautiful. And look, her turn-ons are making snow angels and uh, water skiing. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's just... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I hope it all works out for you. Yeah, look at you sitting on a hay bale. <laughs> I mean, you're gorgeous, but it wasn't when you when you're a, a young man and you look at Playboy and you're just like, oh my gosh, and boom, you are just off to the races. It is just it's like goal the, setting at that point. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a point where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm the same age as this girl. I could like meet this girl, mm-hmm. and then you're a little bit older and like, oh, maybe she's got daddy issues. And then after a while, you're like, I'm not, I can't even. I'm not even. <laughs> I don't even need that in my life. <laughs> And like I'm read, I'm literally reading the articles. There was a great interview with Matthew McConaughey. It totally turned me around. I was a Matthew McConaughey hater. I read this great interview with him in Playboy magazine, and I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I'm totally on the Matthew McConaughey train. And I was like, oh my god, I just read an article in Playboy, but they actually are good articles. But yeah, you had to yeah. get back to Nate. Okay, now here's the one. This we only have so many, so much time left. You had homework. There I was a. There was a well, – you know I had to get to it. I hate you. There was a tweet yesterday. Did you know the woman who tweeted this? She writes for your blog. Really? Really. She's the one well, that who, wrote the Cards Against Humanity blog. It, who, who, what's, her, what's her name? Kim. It's not – oh, Kim. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so she wrote – Cosmopolitan had a tweet about a rusty trombone. And a picture. Cos- well, uh, well, not a, an actual photograph. Oh, it, it was, was a, it graphic was, enough it was to gra- understand exactly what they were talking about. Right. And yes. so her tweet was like, now I have to go throw up, something like that. I'm leaving Twitter to puke, yeah. I'm, I have to leave Twitter to puke. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, you didn't know what a rusty trombone is. No, I did not. Not until that picture. The picture was instructive enough. 
All right. So um, for our listeners, uh, a, I guess we well we refer can refer them to it. Cosmopolitan's tweet. Yeah, go to go to just search up uh, Cosmopolitan Rusty Trombone. The thing that I thought was funny about it was like how to do the best Rusty Trombone ever. <laughs> it was like if no. you're Rusty, if you're, what wasn't that? Wasn't it is? It was like if you're yeah, Rusty like, Trombone. How, how to do this? How to do this tonight? So then you open the article because I work for Michael Loftus. He says you have to read it. So I did. So what did it say? Basically, they're talking to some sex therapist who used to do, be a porn star who's explaining the whole process and says, but I've never really done it except in a porn. Really? Well, then you've really done it. <laughs> but she's really done it. But she's like, nobody does this in real life. But you could. Really? So, well, <laughs> like, I'll tell you right now, people do do it in real life. <laughs> um, I'm just leaving that one all out in the sphere that's gone. What were, gone. What were the tips? What were the tips and tricks? That's what I always want to know. Like, it had what was, mostly like, what was do, her advice? It had mostly to do with personal hygiene. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yep. Now, here's what I always find. Here's what I always, always find fascinating about this stuff. And I'm not, and I'm not disparaging Kim or anything, but this is what I know. Uh, when people have that kind of a reaction to something, it it sometimes means something else. Like, like most dominatrix right women who uh you know they they tie people up and they they smack them around or whatever deep in their heart their fondest wish is to be tied up that's what it's all about i have no idea you have no idea i have no idea okay you don't understand i play cards against humanity with my kids and i have to look up some of the cards on urban dictionary while we're playing (laughs) that's you got to get out more (laughs) Well, first, it's just really bad parenting, probably, to play that with your teenage children um, and try to outgross them. But, you know. Right. Well, some, of the, a, with... some of the pairings they make with people like Dick Cheney, because he's got his own card, would just blow oh, yeah. my mind. Yeah. Do you remember um, uh, Jessica Simpson had a show on MTV called Newlyweds? I think and it was called Newlyweds. married to? Nick somebody. He was a yeah, boy band guy. Boy band dude. Yeah. They were out. I thought this was so I thought this was so wonderful. Uh, they were out at dinner one night with another couple. They're they're friends, and they're they're ordering salad. And then there was a tossed salad reference, and then everybody started giggling. And Jessica Simpson, who's I honestly think she's she's a, a very she's a fine girl. She's a lot of fun, but some stuff she just doesn't know about. She didn't know why everybody was laughing every time she said uh, toss a salad. Right, mm-hmm. uh, tossing a salad very very similar to a rusty trombone. So they explained to her. Uh, what what tossing a salad was, and uh, she goes, oh, ooh, and then they're like, well, if, and then somehow the the quote came out. She goes, well, I love you, Nick. I would do that for you, and I thought that was awesome. Like she loves him so much, she would do this thing. So, which I I thought it, I found it to be heartwarming and charming, and and, and in a way, incredibly romantic. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, she really loves that guy. She like, she really loves him. It's like at a restaurant. I would totally, uh, I would totally do that for you. I love you. So I tell my wife this. I'm like, wow, look how much she loves him. She goes, I would never. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew I liked your wife. So now it's like. That's, like, that's, the, so difference. So that's now, the difference between being newlyweds <laughs> and not. However, like. <laughs> I would, but like, don't you, I'm, I don't know, I'm making a horrible point here, but it's like, there is, so there is, there is a, 
an end to your love for me. There is an end. Like, like if, and I'm like, I would totally do that for her. I would totally do that. If there was like some who loves more who love challenge and I'd be like, yeah, let's, uh, let's get some soap and water up in here. Oh my God. I would, I would totally do it. Like, I, that's like, like, then I felt used. I felt horrible because I'm like, wow, I would like, <laughs> like that makes. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm getting uh, the this short is end like of the true stick. Confession podcast. I think. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's funny and, and interesting. <laughs> Wait, and like it, with my wife, it, just... it was just like so, just like nope. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, like under zero circumstances, <laughs> under like can... no circumstances is that ever happening. I think your wife and I would get along so well. Uh yes, yes, you would. Yes, and I, would. I just, I just, I just found she was a little quick on the buzzer, just a little quick on the buzzer. Because, like, I seriously, I, like, you just think in theory, in theory. I'm not talking about, like, acts. And then, like, and then, like, not even, if you're into that, that doesn't make you a bad person. Like, no, I, I don't even want to be a bad person. Right? So I feel like, I feel like a, a fraud for even saying in theory. But, like, I, I would just, like, I, as, as I'm conceptualizing it, as I'm thinking, is there ever a way I could? She's like, never. <laughs> it's like... There's absolutely nothing wrong with anybody's... Jessica Simpson would do it. Jessica Simpson would do it because she loved her man. So that's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and I got nothing but respect for her. There you go. There you go. I wonder, like, what other, like, like, I just wonder what other taboos uh, there are where where women is like, nope. Like me... (laughs) Like, I do a joke in my act like, I can't, I'm not going to suck a toe. I'm just not going to do it. Like, to me, that's disgusting. Gross. Like, I'm not going to do it. However, there are toe people everywhere. And you know and what? If push came to shove, thing. I could totally do it. If my wife was like, hey, suck my toe, and it's going to get crazy, I would totally suck her toe. <laughs> and I would act like I loved it. And you still don't think furries exist? Not really. <laughs> So if she said, put on this costume, is that where you draw the line? No, I would do that too. <laughs> I would be a Teletubby with a boner. Oh I would totally God. do it. I would, I, would, oh I, would, I would dress up as Yogi Bear and suck her toe. And if it brought her joy, I would do it. Because <laughs> that is the depth of my love. That is my Valentine's gift. That is my love letter to America. Wow. Ew, I have to go puke. That's a little much. And then me wonder if she doth protest too much. Because what what that does is when you say something like, ooh, now I have to go back, that starts a conversation, right? So on some level, she wants to talk about it. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) Dear Lord. I have made a problem. And and the actual the actual article said it would be the boys that had the bigger problem with it. I tell you what, well this is this could okay, we're going long. I don't know if any of this will will remain in the show. Uh oh my gosh. This is very dangerous territory. This is very Howard Sterney right here. Uh I wonder why why Cosmopolitan said that and then uh and and then I can tell you why lost you. Yeah. I think the radio got What did Cosmopolitan? No. What, what, did, what did what did Cosmopolitan say? 
Hello? It was reminiscent of playing for the wrong team. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, a long, long, many, 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 many moons ago, uh, I was with a girl who wanted to do this thing and started, and you are suddenly terrified. You are terrified of, like, what the what is going on? Like, this is way outside the field of normal. And then you're like, uh-oh, I like it. And then, uh-oh, that's going to mean something else. And it is a very, uh, it is it is a philosophical, <laughs> you have this huge, uh, like, everything goes slow motion. You're like, what does this mean? <laughs> so, yeah, that is, that is a, uh, that is a concern. However, uh, so far. I still can't believe I had to read that, but okay. Oh, oh, you can't believe you had to read that. Come on, it's tw- it's 2017. Stace, get with the program. I want you to win at this card game you play with your kids. There you I go. Want- <laughs> it was a very good, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm looking at the counter. Uh, we're at a, uh, we're, we're like six minutes over. Yes, we are. We might take out a little bit of this stuff at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, da 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 But that is that is the big uh, that is the big scare. Um, Michael Topias. I'm looking for my Michael Topias. What oh, do we got? Some good ones today. Do you? Well, that was a big long breath into the microphone. You know, That's I've a been big emailing no. people all day and picking up business cards and making flyers and that sort of thing. So no, you don't have any. Yeah, I no, have. I, I do have one or two. Okay, in Michael Topia. Well, I take that back. In the real world, there's a bunch of crazy rules and and laws that don't make a lot of sense. And so in Michael Topia, we don't abide by those. We have our own set of rules. And here with one of this week's Michael Topias, the Liberty Gypsy. If someone is installing a fence in your yard and they happen to cut the cable that leads into your internet, they're responsible for standing there and holding it together until Comcast gets there. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yes. I had I, I I it sounds like you had people putting up a new fence and they they broke your uh, cable for your internet. Yes, they did on the worst possible weekend. And then they just look at you like nothing we can do. Sorry, gotta go. Right? Well, bless his heart, and I live in the south. Bless his heart. Sincerely, he went and he got a splice, and it spliced the TV. But we still didn't have any internet. Oh. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, at least you have that. Yeah. Yeah. Did Comcast, they haven't fixed it yet? Uh, Comcast is at the house right now. Oh, boy, I hope that goes well. That's why I'm in my undisclosed location. When I I moved into my little uh, Long Island digs, which are working on the TV show, I had these guys come over, and uh, they were delivering my little TV stand. They they yank up the TV to put it on top of the TV stand. Boom! And they take out the HDMI cable and the little adapter in the back of the TV. And these guys look at me like, ooh, that's bad. This looks like expensive TV. Oh, no. And then they tried to leave. And I'm like, no, not no, that's happening. not how this goes. We're going to nope. fill out a little, uh, I'm going to get some uh, some phone numbers here. And <laughs> I, I think we're going to go to Best Buy yeah. and get me a new TV. Exactly. That's a good Michael Topia. My Michael Topia, uh, if the president goes up on stage in front of the press and tells you how you're going to overreact to his story, you're not allowed to do exactly what he said you were about to do. Like, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say he was ranting and raving and losing his mind. You don't go on TV and go, boy, he was ranting and raving and losing his mind. He's unhinged. Like, you're not – reporters aren't that stupid in Michael Topia. Of course. Of course. 
Hit me with another one. If you are a reporter for The New Yorker and you say something stupid on Twitter and it is pointed out to be as stupid as it actually was, you're not allowed to block. Say what? Say what? Like if you have a blue check on Twitter, I don't think you should be allowed to block people. So this guy from the New York reporter basically put – or the New New Yorker basically puts out this tweet. Trump voters and supporters know nothing about anything. They are policy ignorant. It's terrifying. So being who I am, I quote tweeted. I said, keep it up. This is a winning strategy. He immediately blocks me. So being called out for just being a judgmental freak, block. Wow. Yeah. I thought they're supposed to have thicker skin than that. That's what they oh always say God, when, when, no. they, when, when they criticize the president and he gets he gets unhappy about it. He's supposed to have a thicker skin than that. He's too reactionary. And then you criticize them. You're blocked. You're a bad person. There is so many liberal journalists that have me blocked on Twitter. Sometimes it just ceases to be fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I tell you and what. And I'm not I, that mean. I just say, oh well, that's interesting. I, tend I to haven't had to block them. anybody yet. I haven't had to block anybody <laughs> yet. You just don't know. I, I guess I don't. <laughs> They were making fun of me. They were making fun of me at Red Eye. Yeah. Uh, oh, they give me some grief. There's some good people down there. Mm-hmm. There's some. I tell you what, that uh, John Devore guy, mm-hmm. very entertaining. Uh, I, I I started following him, <clears throat> but he was telling me he's like, I don't respond to anybody. I don't respond to anybody. I'm like, oh, I, I do all the time. And he's like, who? And he rolls his eyes and starts laughing. And I'm like, no, it's usually like with like good stuff. And he's like, oh wow, you're new. <laughs> you're new. <laughs> Like, I don't want to start fights with people or, or anything. It's like no. that, that poor girl on there who was like, listen, I don't hate you guys, even though you hate me. I just want to set her straight. And it was too funny. Uh, you know, I told her, like, I don't hate you. I, I think you're awesome. And then you saw these other people like, who said I hated you? I don't hate you. It was like like really mean. Uh, mean but, anti-hate but, tweets. Yeah. Yeah. It was like <laughs> really like so predictable and boring. How ironic is that? Well, that's like when I did that unintended joy hashtag. Well, I chose yeah. to have my baby, but I'm still pro-choice. I'm so glad you had your baby. <laughs> I mean, it was just bizarre. Like, yeah, I love what you're doing, but I have to put this in there too. Why? Yeah, really. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Twitter. I wish I liked Facebook more, and I'm really, really, I'm, I'm really trying. It's like Twitter just seems to be so much easier. It's just so much easier to like scroll through, hit the thing, reply, but blah, blah, blah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah, but like Facebook is just like so – it's just so much Well, and Twitter, on, on Twitter hasn't figured out how to manage your content quite the same way that Facebook has yet. Like you have to look for stuff you like on Facebook because it won't show up in your feed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, which is a problem, but uh, I'm going to give it the old college try. I'm going to start doing videos uh, for the Facebook. Mm-hmm. That will be fun. We'll be doing Morning. some next week. Uh, yeah. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. There should be an explosion of them next week. You got, uh, oh, my gosh, Milo Yiannopoulos. We, this might be a supersized episode. I'm looking at the ticker here, and, like, Milo Yiannopoulos was on uh, Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. And you saw that, right? I did, and they agreed to disagree and that they both had the right to their opinion. It was amazing. Bill Maher was very consistent on his own attitude toward free speech. I swear, and it really, really, upon reflection, this was a few days ago, and upon reflection, it's like, wow, what a, like, like, big time tempest in a teacup. Even if you go back and look at, like, the, the, the stuff Milo says on his college tour, his speaking tour, like, it's, I, I, I really, like, people are just waiting to be offended, just waiting to be offended, and it's like, it's just so obvious. The trick, the trick that he's doing is just so obvious, 
and and I see why he's doing it, and I can un, un, understand the reasoning of it and all that stuff. But it's like it's not worth built burning down uh, a part of a college campus for. No, not at all. And I mean, I you know? honestly believe the, the, the best quote, <laughs> and I used it in a in in the article about the Bolsheviks, oddly enough, um, and why they don't like Milo. And one of the quotes I had seen of his going around about that time that I agree with wholeheartedly, and I don't agree with some things he says, but I'll give him props when I do, is that you shouldn't give, you shouldn't care about anyone's sexuality, the color of anyone's skin, or their gender, and you should be very, very, very suspicious of people who do. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah. oh, the Bolsheviks don't like that because they only get us when they divide us into our tiniest little groups. It's it's very uh, it's 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 very disturbing. And hopefully, you know, and I'm not a huge Bill Maher fan, but that's for other reasons, because I, I find him to be very, uh, you know, predictable and boring. And there's whatever. But like at least he had the courage to have Milo on. And I, I still can't believe that some some jerk is like, here's why I'm not going. It's not like it's not like Milo saying rise up, rise up. And once we get our once we get the military on our side, we can take this whole place over. You know, yeah. like t- Sarah Silverman says m- much more disturbing things. Oh, did you see than her Milo stupid does. swastika stuff? That was hilarious. That was hilarious. Looks like there's Trump supporters here. There's swastikas everywhere. And it was like the Department of Energy yep. was like marking where power mm-hmm. cables were. Yep. That's hilarious. Yep. Oh my God. So Milo's going to be at CPAC, right? He is actually the keynote speaker, as I understand it. And and when is that address? That is the kickoff to the whole thing. Oh, really? It's not the close. I believe the keynote goes first. When then? Who's closing it out? Don't know. Haven't seen the full agenda yet. Gee whiz. Well, we're getting close. Yeah, I know. But a lot of things going on in DC right now are a little fluid and stuff like that. So I saw some dude, some talking head guy on. Uh, Fox News the other night, and like they're like, uh, you're busy because you're the organizer of CPAC. And the guy goes, yes, I am. I'm quite a busy fellow. And he looked like a barrel of laughs. <laughs> he looked like a barrel of laughs. Don't know which one that was, but everybody we've dealt with has been very nice. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I tell you, Oh, and here's the other thing that's coming up. I just got the email about this, and we got to look into this, uh, Liberty Gypsy, is uh, uh, Watch's event, Politicon. Mm-hmm. That's coming back. They're doing it's that again this back. summer. Also, yes. want to take a look at South by Southwest. Now, South by Southwest. This is not the film festival or the music festival. What is South it's by Southwest? Like I've always big, associated that with like music and art. There is music, and there is. It's kind of like the smash of culture, politics, and music. So there's a little bit of everything, along with some business and technology. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's bigger than just music. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I would like I would like to go to that. This will be uh, three years in a row for Politicon. This will be my first CPAC. I might as well uh, pop my uh, my other South by Southwest cherry. <laughs> we I apologize. We are working on it. We're like at a buck eighteen now. I feel like we should keep keep going. I feel like we should like throw in another six minutes of content. Oh and we my have god! Super... I have so much to do. <laughs> you don't have six more minutes? Oh my god! All right. Oh, my God. Oh, you know what? We will. We'll just make it a total nightmare uh, for poor Andrew Apple, who is still around, who has to edit this this thing. Uh, I'm just trying to look through my notes of other of other uh, wonderful stuff. We, we, we covered it. I really thought we'd get a lot more mileage out of the rusty trombone thing. I felt like I was a little bit too open, maybe a little too honest. 
Here's the thing, and this is a this is a joke I do in my stand up, so I don't feel bad about doing it here. Like the finger in the butthole thing, mm-hmm. which is uh, a relatively that's the move that a few years ago just swept the nation. Mm-hmm. That just that just took over, ladies. Uh, if you're gonna do that move, circle the airport a couple times. We'll let you know if it's okay to land. <laughs> That's exactly what the article said. I figured it had to be pretty much like that. <laughs> hey, much. we're gonna we're gonna let you know. And oh, there's I'm giving I'm doing all my stand up bits right here. I'm doing I don't like I don't like doing the the regular stand up on on the the radio show. However, I can promote this uh, if you're listening in the New York area. Uh, Governor's Comedy Club, March fourth, March fourth. I'm gonna be at Governor's in Levittown. I'm going to be headlining. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you don't know what uh, little uh, special guests might be showing up. Uh I'm just going to put that out there. You never know who might show up at Governors in Levittown. Your new neighbors? Yeah, we'll see. They're very quiet now. I don't know what's going on. Oh, and here's a wonderful thing. Uh, I I never want to forget to uh, promote the television show. The television show, so many great new episodes. And then when when we were taping... Uh, a couple weeks ago, back in Los Angeles, I did promos. I did promos for, like, New York. We have viewers. New York City. It's so fun to do a promo for the Flipside television show that starts with, Hey, New York. That's pretty awesome. Absolutely. Hey, New York. So, so very well. Make sure you subscribe to the uh, the YouTube guys. I need to, I need to, we need to promote this stuff. Yes, we do. I can't remember the last time, I can't remember the last time, I'm trying to think of the last time I tweeted a link saying, hey, subscribe to the YouTube channel, go to theloftestparty.com. I'm pretty sure Kim is going to have a very, very angry blog uh, coming up in no time. We're like, I'm not going to be humiliated on your little uh, <laughs> radio show She's- for not liking something. She's honestly one of the nicest people you ever want to meet and has a great sense of humor. Oh, I'm sure she's awesome. I like I like the Kim. I like the I like all the bloggers. I like the the Lisa. I like the David. Uh, They're all wonderful. I'm probably forgetting a couple names. Yes, you are. But that's okay. We'll throw them out there. Let's show them. Uh, Rick, Bear, Judy. Let's see. Gordon. And we got a few new ones coming on. Wow, mm-hmm. that's it's it's pretty darn impressive. It's pretty and you darn can impressive. Meet them all on the team page. So on the team page, we're like uh, we're cool that way. We have a we have a team page. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're heading to CPAC this week. I don't know. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. I'm a, and I got to tell you, I'm a little bummed out. I thought uh, I thought Milo was the big closer. No, I I think the keynote goes first. If I remember past conferences. The keynote. See, yes. I'm not down. I'm not down with the whole. Supposed to set the tone for the entire conference. Well, that I I've, I I doubt very much that'll be the case. <laughs> I doubt very much that that Milo will set the tone uh, for CPAC. I don't think I don't think uh, Ted Cruz will get up there and <laughs> and follow Milo's lead. Here's something funny that somebody uh, observed on Twitter that I thought was hysterical. I found it very odd that Milo wore like a pearl necklace. On mm-hmm. Bill Maher's show, he like mm-hmm. literally wore a pearl necklace. And during the interview, he was literally clutching his pearls. Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, that he was. Fun with a capital F. Yes. Well, I couldn't watch the whole panel. I tried. I I couldn't. Uh, you know what? I I couldn't. I couldn't uh, watch it either. Mm-hmm. Then I guess Milo came back on. Yes. At the end, I, t- mm-hmm. I totally missed that part, and that's where. Um, no, I was uh, just trying to watch that part. It was unwatchable. 
it was like it was that uh, it was that black dude. It wasn't Larry Wilmore. It was the other like super conspiracy theory guy. The I'm so smart because I used to work in the CIA or mm-hmm. FBI guy that just told Milo to f off. Yes. He didn't do it in a mean way. It was kind of jokey. He's like, are you are you an American? And Milo goes, no. Oh, F off. And he kind of did it in a joking way. But uh, you might want to refrain from those in a debate for a little bit. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was disgraceful. That Jim Jeffries dude that was on there. Jim Jeffries, a, a, a relatively funny stand up. Right. Uh, an, an OK, funny guy. But uh, who did he who did he tell? He told Piers Morgan. Like, but that was his, his was a hardcore F off, F off and just flipping him the bird. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that that does nothing does when he's nothing when he's like all. when he's like li- he and he's like literally calling Trump Hitler. And and uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was not his yeah. best moment. They've called Romney Hitler. They called McCain Hitler. They called it's just basically anyone who doesn't believe <clears throat> what they might believe who's going to be in charge is Hitler. Well, I, those days are over. I really yeah. do. It just does. It just doesn't carry any water. It's not carrying any water. And here's the other thing. And they were talking about this today on Media Matters uh, with Buzz Aldrin. Uh, <laughs> is is like the media keeps doing the same thing. They just keep doing it. Like we're gonna knit. And that and that was it. Like when Trump gets up, when Trump gets up at his press conference and he goes, "I won by the biggest margin. I had three hundred electoral college votes." Okay, maybe that's not right. Maybe maybe he is ex- exaggerating the truth. Mm-hmm. But like if you're going to call the president out on a lie, I don't think that's the hill you want to die on. Like, oh, <laughs> if he'll lie about this, he'll lie about anything. That's not the one you want to go. Oh, I'm I'm going to dig in on this one. And, and Dude, uh, he said something about the murder rate in Chicago at his rally last night. Yeah. Speaking specifically about Chicago. They fact-checked him in the New York Times and referred to the national murder rate. That's like how rabid they are at this point to jump on anything the man says. Anything. So wait, they compared his Chicago numbers with the national murder rate numbers? What they said in the New York Times fact-check of Donald Trump's rally, first of all, everything they came up with was mostly nuanced. It's one of those things where we see it this way, you guys see it that way. But the last thing was a quote, that he said regarding Chicago's homicide rates and and violent crime rates. And he was speaking specifically about Chicago. They responded that, well, Chicago had some problems last year, but nationally the murder rate. And they were like fact checking him as false for what he said about Chicago, which was actually correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Mm -hmm. Whoops. There it is. Yep. Um, This is a supersized show. We'll, We'll get it down. We'll get it down. I th- I I regret nothing. Looking back, I regret nothing. <laughs> I have zero none zero. regrets. Zero regrets, just like Jessica Simpson. Um, I isn't it? I, I go through. I have these notebooks, and I jot down what I'm going to, what I want to talk about, and what I don't want to forget. And uh, for some reason, I wrote this thing down, and I don't know what it means. Bokurano. B-O-K-U-R-A-N-O. Bokurano. I have no idea what that – me neither. Um, It sounds like a a type of sushi. It definitely isn't that. I wouldn't have written down Bokurano. Oh, I know what it is. What? It's an anime. Oh, okay. It's an anime. Yeah, that guy – there's a dude on Twitter, Neon Neon Taster, I believe is his name, uh, who's quite awesome. That dude, if you're not following Neon Taster, uh, start following that guy. He's great. And if you know Neon Taster, uh, please have him uh, DM me because I got to talk to that dude about some stuff. He's got very, very good taste in anime. I like the anime. Uh, 
and he was talking about like the 10 best anime or most underrated anime and it was cool because like i knew like five of them knew most of them boku rano i think i got to look into ah so big week we got um oh man we're back in production on kevin can wait uh we got cpac coming up we got new episodes of the flip side on YouTube America and FETV and your local channels. I can't make it any easier. You just got to go to your DVR and search The Flip Side with Michael Loftus. You'll find it. Always go to theloftusparty.com. That's where you're going to find the latest and the greatest. We're optimizing that son of a gun for phones. It looks great on your phone now. There's podcasts. There's videos. There's the best blogs. It's, it's like Christmas in February. There you go. All right. Hey, have a great day, everybody. I'm Michael Loftus. We'll see you next time. Liberty Gypsy, I understand you're going to move your caravan back to home base. Going back to home base to get ready to travel up onto National Harbor. All right. Make sure to get fresh horses. Yeah. <laughs> get fresh horses. Because in my, in my mind, in my mind, you're like literally in one of those wagons. Oh, my God. And then you just kind of pop open the side and you come out and you tell fortunes and the locals are kind of afraid of you. Well, you know, we didn't book you a room. You just get one of the cots in that wagon. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I just, just don't put a curse on me. <laughs> kind of liberty, liberty curse. All right. It was a great show. It was a supersized show. I don't know how. I don't know why. But it just happened. And we're going to roll with it. We will see you next time uh, right here on the Loftus Party. Peace. <laughs>